0: To navigate life, we need wisdom. Uh, Without wisdom, nothing in life really matters, nothing really has a point, and life can actually end up in destruction, as our life falls apart without true wisdom. But where does true wisdom come from? What does true wisdom look like in our life? In this series, Pursuing the Path of Wisdom, we look at the book of Proverbs, where God tells us exactly what true wisdom is, where true wisdom comes from, and what it looks like in our life. As you listen to this series, uh, if it impacts your life, like it, share it, and subscribe to our list so that you get more of these messages to not only impact your life, but others. God bless as you listen to God's Word. Well, this morning we come to the close of our series Pursuing the Path of Wisdom as we've been walking through uh, the book of Proverbs, looking for wisdom for our life. Uh, what we said is, is wisdom is, is how to make wise decisions in the complex areas of life where, where the moral rules don't really apply, uh, where uh, neither option is a sin, how do we make the wise decision? What we said way back at the beginning of this series 11 weeks ago is that it, you can't be a truly wise person if you don't have a relationship with God. And the reason is because God is where all wisdom is found. He created the world in wisdom. He created us with his wisdom. And apart from the Lord, true wisdom can't happen. So as we look at the book of Proverbs, what we've said is that the book of Proverbs isn't so much uh, just how to live. It's how do we live in relationship to our God and to people? And that's what we've seen throughout this entire series is wisdom comes from God in a relationship with Him. Over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at maybe some challenging topics. We looked at anger, self-control, pride, uh, mastering money instead of being mastered by money, but today might be one of the toughest. It's about restoring. Relationships. No matter who you are, you have relationships in this world. Uh, you have relationships with husband and wife, relationship with kids and parents, relationships with neighbors, boss to employee. You have relationships with enemies. You have relationships with in-laws. You have relationships with all kinds of people. And what's it take to maintain those relationships? and thrive in those relationships. It takes wisdom to restore them. And that's what we're going to look at today, the book of Proverbs on restoring relationships. Uh, real quick, before we jump in to Proverbs, big timeline of, of history, right? Big dates. 2000 B.C., Abraham. 1500 B.C., we have Moses from the line of Abraham. 1000 B.C., we have King David from that same family line. 950 B.C. is King Solomon, David's son, uh, who is the wisest man to ever live, and he writes about restoring relationships in the book of Proverbs. To be honest with you, I could have had this whole page and this whole page filled with different Proverbs on what it looks like to restore relationships and live in relationships, but today we're just going to focus on one. One little proverb is Proverbs uh, 27, verse 9. Uh, Here's what it says. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Uh, Let's take that first part of the proverb. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Uh, Let me get your first point up here this morning. Whoever, the wise and loving person covers up offenses. As we're looking for wisdom for our life, what does wisdom look like in our relationships? It looks like the wise and loving person covers up offenses. That's the whole first part of the couplet there. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to cover over an offense? Uh, What it doesn't mean is a cover-up. Like we think kind of like in politics or uh, in a court system where uh, someone's covering something up so it doesn't come out uh, and they're trying to get away with it. That's not what this means. What the wise and loving person does is they cover up the offense, forgiving the offense. Uh, This really means that the wise and loving person lives in relationships, and how do they live? Forgiving each other. No matter who you are, and no matter what relationship you have and and you're talking about, you know that forgiveness is such a key aspect of that relationship. Because at some point in your life, at some point in the relationship, someone's going to do something to let you down. Someone's going to do something to betray you. Someone's going to do something to hurt you to say something to you, and it's going to pierce your heart. And how do you live in that relationship? How do you be a wise and loving person? The book of Proverbs, God says, you cover up the offense. Forgive the sin. To forgive means to cover it up, and it's not going to come between us any more. Would you consider yourself someone who is a loving person? I don't think there's very many people that when asked that question, do you consider yourself a loving person? I don't think many people are going to say, no, actually I don't. Um, I think we all would say, yes, I'm a loving person. The book of Proverbs says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Do you consider yourself a loving person? If so, the book of Proverbs says you cover over offenses. You forgive the sins of those people who hurt you, who betrayed you, who said that hurtful thing to you. We cover up the offense. Does that describe you? The wise and loving person who restores relationships covers up offenses. But there's a second part. It's the second part of the couplet. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So not only does the wise and loving person cover up sins, but the wise and loving person does not repeat the matter. The wise and loving person does not seek revenge. And many of us know that. Uh, I'm sure if I got a, a asked for a show of hands, and asked, how many of you were, when you were being raised and and, and growing up, heard heard the phrase, two wrongs don't make a right? We all have heard that phrase, and we know it's true, that if if someone punches me, I should not punch back. If someone hurts me in this way, I should not hurt them back in the same exact way. We know that. We know that seeking revenge is never a, a good answer. Nothing good comes from it. We may want it, but nothing good comes from it. And yet, there can be revenge without actually doing the same exact thing to them. And what is that? Repeating the matter. It's this person does something to me, and so what am I going to do? Go and repeat what happened to them. It's gossiping. It's this person hurt me, and now I'm going to go and talk about it to this group of people over here. And why do we do that? Because it hurt. And not only are we hurt, we're angry about it, and we want to vent about it. We want to talk about it and and find healing in some way, shape, or form. And we think that the healing comes by going and talking about it. And yet what happens... When we do that, the proverb says, it separates close friends. If this person hurt me, my friend over here hurt me, and I go and talk about it with these friends over here, what's going to happen with this relationship? There's no restoring. Instead, there's more of a lack of trust, and it separates. It's a natural consequence from repeating the matter. Okay, but what if the person who sinned against me I don't care about. What if it's my boss? What if it's a fellow coworker that I don't care if I'm friends with them or not? Repeating the matter separates close friends. If this person sins against me and I go to this person over here and I'm venting about what that person did, what happens to this relationship? We think it gets us closer, right? But repeating the matter separates close friends. Because what becomes of your reputation? A gossip. Someone who just trashes whoever hurts you. And so guess what happens with your other friend that you're talking to? They stop trusting you. And it brings a division within that relationship because repeating the matter separates close friends. The wise and loving person does not repeat the matter. If we want to restore relationships, and we want to be known as someone who restores relationships, one, we cover up offenses, two, we don't repeat the matter to other people. Okay, fine. We won't do that. But there's one other person that we have to talk about repeating the matter. It's to ourselves. Because, yes, I may not go and repeat the matter to other people, but how often don't I just replay it in my head? Uh, My two girls take after me, in one area at least. And that is when when we like a song, we listen to that thing until everyone in the house is completely annoyed with it. And right now, uh, until we have the words memorized, until we don't even need... Uh, anything playing it because we have it memorized forward and backward and and we just can sing it. Right now in our household, uh, it is Fairies from the Nutcracker by Mannheim Steamroller, or as my girls call it, Fairies, the Rocky version. And uh, what happens? We listen to that thing on Alexa, and then as soon as that thing is done, both girls at the same time yell out, again! And we repeat the song. (laughs) Sometimes that's what we do in our minds with the person that hurt us. We replay it in our mind, and as soon as the replay is done, there's a voice inside us that says, again! And we repeat it. And what happens? Bitterness sets in, and it divides me from that person. I say I forgive them, I don't go talk about it with anyone else, but that divide still remains because I replay it again and again, the hurt that they caused. I replay the consequences that I'm still living with because of the hurt that they caused, and I replay it again and again and again. Do we want restored relationships? Do we want peace? Do we want peace on Thanksgiving just a few days from now? What's it going to take as the family gets together Forgiveness, covering up offenses and not repeating the matter. Pretty easy, right? No. Many of you know here just how hard it is to forgive. And maybe even harder, once you do forgive, not to go and repeat the matter. And maybe some of you are sitting here thinking about that relationship, thinking about that person, and you're thinking to yourself, I can't do it. This sounds great, Stephen. I would love to be this person. I don't have the strength to do what God is telling me to do today. And you know what? You're right. And neither do I. And so how in the world can we do what God is telling us to do? Because God doesn't just tell us to do it. This describes our God. Remember, we said the book of Proverbs is, is a book of, of how we relate to God. And so how do we relate to God? We have offended him in so many ways. And yet, what does our God do? He covers up every single one of our offense. Now, that's a, a phrase, we've talked about it throughout this sermon here so far, and, and Maybe we've been thinking, this is weird. Why don't we just say that the the wise and loving person forgives sins? How come we don't just say the one who would foster love forgives an offense? Uh, The phrase cover up or, or covering over is a little lost on us today, but it wasn't for the person living in 950 B.C. Because what did they have in 950 B.C.? They had the temple. And in the back of the temple was known as the most holy place separated by a big curtain, kind of like this one. And behind the curtain was the Ark of the Covenant, a, a box with a cover over it, and inside the Ark was the Ten Commandments. And what did the Ten Commandments do? They reminded the people of how they offended God. They reminded the people of all the offenses that, they had, that God had against the people. And it was a multitude of sin. And so same Ten Commandments that tell us about the multitude of offenses that we have caused God, how we have offended God in our thoughts, words, and actions. And so what did the priest do back in 950 B.C.? On one day a year, the Day of Atonement, he'd take a lamb and he'd slaughter it and he'd take the blood of the lamb behind the curtain and he'd go and he'd sprinkle it. All of it over the ark of the covenant and what did that do it covered the ten commandments that stood against the people all of those commandments that that god said here's how you offended me they were they were covered with what the blood of the lamb and what did god announce to the people through that we're at peace your sins are forgiven our relationship has been restored A thousand years after that, a man named Jesus walked past the Jordan River and John the Baptist pointed to him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what did Jesus do? He went to the cross where he shed his blood. And through the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross, he covered once for all the ten commandments that stood against you and me the Ten Commandments that shows you and me just how much we have offended God, God said, it's covered. I've covered all of your sins through the blood of Jesus. We are restored. You are forgiven. We have peace between you and me, God says. And it's because Jesus shed his blood to cover over every single one of your offenses. You see, God doesn't just overlook our sin. God doesn't say, no big deal, let's conceal it and nobody find out about it. No, 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 what does God do? He pays the price. He pays the price to restore your relationship with Him. And the price was Jesus. He shed blood on the cross, and now because of Him, no matter what you've done, you are restored with your God. You don't have to worry as you come into worship am I and God good? You are. Because Jesus shed his, Jesus shed his blood for you. You don't have to worry and, and wonder the sins of my past uh, uh, will that get in the way of me and God? No, it won't. Because God has covered it through the blood of Jesus. God says you are forgiven, you are forgiven. God says you are restored, you are restored. Not because of what you've done but because of Jesus Christ, your Savior. And that's not all. Do you know what God also does for you? He doesn't repeat the matter. God doesn't go and tell others about your sin. But more importantly, you know who else He doesn't tell about your sin? Himself. Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, God says to the prophet, uh, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. God is not up in heaven replaying your sin again and again. When he says he forgives you, that's it. He remembers your sin no more. You remember that thing that you did in the past, that sin, that even as you sit here today, you can't believe you did, and that you feel so ashamed of, and you feel so guilty of, Do you remember it? God doesn't. Because he forgives you. Do you remember the thing you said that you were completely embarrassed about and you still to this day cannot believe that the words came out of your mouth to hurt the person you love so much? you remember that? God doesn't. Because he's forgiven your sin. Do you remember the thoughts that you had that you can't believe that you had that you're ashamed and you want no one else to ever know that those thoughts ever ran through your head. Do you remember those? God doesn't because He forgives your sins. He's covered them up with the blood of Jesus. He forgives you completely and He doesn't replay it in His head again and again. He forgives you, covers it up, and He doesn't repeat the matter ever again. That's how at peace you are with God. It is through Jesus that all of this is yours and that you have a restored relationship with your God. And it's through his love, it's through his forgiveness that we receive the strength to forgive just as we've been forgiven. Amen. This is what Corrie ten Boom talks about uh, in her book, uh, The Hiding Place. Corrie ten Boom was uh, a Christian during World War II and what she did, her and her family, they hid Jews from the Nazis so that they didn't get taken to the concentration camp. They got caught, and her and her family were brought to the concentration camp uh, where they stayed for the entire war. Her sister died in the concentration camp. But Cory ten Boom was, was released as, as the war ended, and through the whole thing, she never lost faith in Jesus, uh, and the whole time, she she ministered to people, telling everyone, "We need to forgive. We need to forgive, just like Jesus forgives us." To the point where, when she got out, she wrote letters to her guards, the the guards that were the Nazi guards that were in the camp. She wrote letters to them about how Jesus forgives them. One Sunday in a church in Munich, the service had just got over, and she talks about this in her book. Uh, the church just got over, uh, service just got over, and she turned around and was walking out, and she saw him standing in the back. The guard that guarded the shower doors. And she says, Instantly, all of the memories came back the, the, the closed shower doors, the guard standing in front, the heaps of clothing that were left over from after the showers, her sister lying dead in her arms. And she said, Immediately, she was filled with hatred. And the guard saw her and came walking up to her, beaming and bowing before her and, and said, I'm so glad I got your letter. T- to think that Jesus washes away my sin too. It- it's amazing. And he reached out his hand to shake her hand. And she said she froze. Filled with hatred, vengefulness, and want nothing more than, than to get revenge on this guy. And she said, I stood there thinking of all the times that I've, I've written about forgiveness and how we need to forgive, and here I was filled with anger. And she said, all I remember thinking was, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't have the strength to forgive this man. Forgive me and help me forgive him. And she stood there, unable to move, and she prayed again, Jesus, forgive me, help me to forgive him. And she slowly reached out her hand and shook his hand. And she said, The weirdest thing happened. As she shook his hand, warmth went from her hand, up her arm, down into her heart, to where she felt genuine love for this man, and she didn't want him to rot in hell. And she said, It was in that instant that she realized that the the world's healing doesn't hinge on our strength and in our forgiveness but on Christ's love, His strength, and His forgiveness for you and for this world. This is where we find the strength to forgive. This is where we find the strength to restore relationships. It's not found in us. It's in His forgiveness for us that then reaches out to other people. This is how we live in restored relationships. Because without Christ... We don't have the strength to forgive. With Christ, and with His forgiveness to us, we can restore relationships now and forever. And so, as we leave here today, let's leave here remembering the multitude of our sin against our God, and yet the multitude of sin that He has covered over with the blood of Jesus, His Son, our Savior. Because when we know just how much we have been forgiven, it gives us the strength to forgive others. Not only forgive them, but not to repeat the matter again. Not to anyone, not even to ourselves. But instead, we live in restored relationships. As we close out this series, may God give us the wisdom to live. May He work on our hearts to to work on our character, work on our, our hearts, our spirit, that we may live wise and good and godly lives in this age, that others may see us, others may see Jesus through us, that they too may have the salvation and forgiveness that all of us so dearly and desperately need and have through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you today knowing uh, that we have a multitude of sin against you. Uh, your law tells us that. Our hearts tell us that. Our consciences uh, bear witness to the fact that uh, we have a multitude of sin against you, and yet we are all uh, at peace with you. We've all had our relationship restored with you, not because uh, we've worked off all of our sin, not because we've, we've tried to be good. No, no, no. We, we are at peace with you through Jesus, our Savior, who shed his blood on the cross to cover over all of our sin, who rose from the dead, so that we are justified, declared not guilty before you. It's because of him and because of your love for us that we have a restored relationship with you. We ask you to help us to remember that. Fill us with your love, with your grace, with your forgiveness, uh, and empower us to love and forgive others. Uh, Maybe we're not there yet today. Uh, Maybe some of us are are still struggling uh, with that, and understandably so. We ask that Uh, you give us the will to want to forgive. Maybe the first step is simply to start praying for them, that you would work in their lives. uh, And as we pray for them, as we want to forgive them, you will work in our hearts to forgive just as we've been forgiven. We thank you so much for our Savior Jesus. We thank you that you don't repeat the matter to yourself, but uh, you remember our sins no more. Be with us. Grant us your spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to shape us into people who... Uh, forgive as we've been forgiven, and to live wise lives in this age. We ask all this in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.